Hello and welcome back. Welcome back to Diverse Conversations. This is Ashka Patel. Thank you very much for joining me yet once again for another insightful and inspiring episode. Today, we're going to be speaking with a health tech leader, Howard Rosen, who is the CEO of Nova Insights and also founder of LifeWire Corporation. Howard has more than 30 years of experience as a founder and leader of diverse, successful companies in the healthcare and entertainment industries. He has created, organized, and directed the development of innovative businesses that produce technology and communication solutions for clients and partners that include Fortune 500 companies, U.S. public sector, military, and civilian. A strategic visionary leader with an eclectic professional history of developing and delivering high-value products and services that enhance customer experiences while producing business opportunities and revenue channels. Howard's recent accomplishments include being named Fellow of Columbia University Business School Hit Lab. He has written nine articles for Forbes and is also uh, part of the Forbes Business Council. As a member of the Business Council, he has completed Level 2 Innovation Board Governance and has been awarded his seventh utility patent. Um, He has also uh, been chosen to represent Canada by the Canadian Embassy and Philadelphia on multiple occasions to mentor other businesses in the development and delivery of innovative healthcare IT solutions and has delivered presentations before the United States Capitol Hill Steering Committee on Telehealth as well as he is chosen as one of the 100 Next Century Innovators by the Rockefeller Foundation. So it gives me immense pleasure to welcome Howard to our conversation today, where we'll be unpacking the future of health technology and just where Howard sees the future of digital health. And, um, you know, as healthcare providers, what are some things that we need to keep in mind as we're innovating? So with that, let's welcome Howard to this conversation. So welcome back. And now we have Howard joining us in this conversation. Howard, thank you so much for making the time to, you know, come onto this platform to share your insights. And truly, I think it's an honor that we share, uh, that I at least am very humbled that you took this time to come onto this platform and, you know, share your incredible insights with us. So thank you so much for making the time to be here today. Well, that's very nice of you, Aska. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. Thank you. Likewise, likewise. And I think before we even get started into the the core of the conversation, I would love to hear a little bit more about your journey, you know, in terms of how did you start into this world of digital health and like, you know, just your career trajectory, because a lot of the times the audience is always looking for some inspiration uh, in in terms of what are the different career pathways that are available. And I think what you have achieved, uh, we do need to spend a few minutes to talk about this because I would love to hear uh, what your career path has been like. Yeah, not too sure what inspiration as opposed to confusion, perhaps, but very quick. And and, and I know, you know, in terms of the, the very quick story yes. is by education, I have an MBA, international finance and marketing. Okay. So naturally with that, I spent about 15 years producing film and television, mm. which in doing so, I uh, came up with an idea for actually creating a communication platform for patients and providers, uh, which I did. I started, which is about 18, 18 years ago now. Wow. Um, started as a solopreneur, then an entrepreneur, then building an organization um, that did work uh, with the public sector and private sector, uh, military and civilian, and which I hold now actually seven patents which I just sort of say to show how crazy sometimes a trajectory can be. Yes. And then, and then about a year ago, having built the company and um, after 15 years of having led it as a CEO, I thought, you know, I think it's time to let some, let's kick in some of the succession and some younger blood kick in. And so I've now created Nova Insights, which is a company I'm running now, 
uh -huh. uh, which is a consulting company taking all that I've learned from all three areas as an MBA, from film and television, and uh, as a health vendor and health uh -huh. IT, um, dealing with uh, strategic innovation um, and digital transfer in transformation in particular. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that quick rundown. But I think just, uh, you know, hearing you, you kind of share that diverse experiences from like, you know, film, television production to kind of in communication is just amazing how the pieces come in together to, you know, so beautifully find a purpose in life, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not just about purpose, but certainly a direction. And but the commonality to it all and which is why it's so important to what I'm doing now, and, and I know for, for our discussion, mm -hmm. is fundamentally it's still about people. Yes. And it's about engagement. Every element, as an MBA was trained to engage customers, in film and TV, my job was to engage an audience. And really right. what my communication platform was designed to do is engage providers and patients to have better communication with each other. And literally in terms of the, dig and the, and the digital transformation issue, which is core to it all, is mm -hmm. it's fine to have all these toys, but they've got to be used. Yes. And how they built in the respective healthcare systems so that they are used to the benefit of everybody in that, echo, in that ecosystem, but in that really that stakeholders involved in it all. So, so agreed, uh, like, you know, so true as well, because, um, you know, as a healthcare provider myself, and I can only relate to that in terms of how important communication is, especially when it's being received by patients and making sure that, you know, they actually understand uh, what exactly that that they need to do to, you know, keep exactly. their health um, to the best levels that they can. Um, I will definitely come back to that, but I also yeah. wanted to take a moment to also understand a little bit more about the innovation you created about the communications sure. um, piece that you're exactly, yes. If you could speak a little bit about that as well, please. Oh, sure. Fundamental to it all. And again, because I was sort of this dumb, arrogant film producer um, dealing with, you know, I was actually built, working with uh, one of the, our divisions dealt with doing CMEs and one was right. GlaxoSmithKline. So we actually were doing a CME on type 2 diabetes. Uh huh. And it was sort of seeing how pervasive it was. And we're talking 15 years ago and how pervasive it was going to be. Right. It was kind of like going, well, what's what's happening? What's ha mm -hmm. I had four young kids at the time saying this is going to be a pro huge problem they're going to be dealing with. Yes. And there are a lot of great solutions, but nobody was using it, like 18 percent or some of that effect. And so, as I said, being a card-carrying arrogant producer, kind of well, all you got to do is come up with a solution that engages people. Yes. And then they'll get them into the system to want to start involving themselves in their own health care. Agreed. And, agreed. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you so, for sharing that. <laughs> and and, and, and the, so, so I didn't mean to interrupt, but the crux yeah. of that was, is back to communication and engagement, is there's always this barrier you know, you have to use this gadget. You had to communicate this way. Mm -hmm. So what my idea was that led to the, the communication platform was take those barriers away. Let the individuals choose how they want to communicate. So right. whatever device that they want, whatever software that they want, whether it's email, text, uh, WhatsApp, whatever mm -hmm. the case may be, that they can, they're the ones that were choosing how to communicate. So instead of being told how to communicate, they chose it. And you took away the first fundamental barrier to that communication. Yes. And I'm sure you experienced it with some of your clients and patients going, oh, I got to download this app to do this. And yes. already the eyes fog over. 
exactly and, and and that is it's it's critical also because it also then you know kind of gauges their engagement right in terms of yeah. how engaged will they be with us uh for that service that they're receiving from us as well so thank you exactly. so much for creating thank you so much for inventing i know it was a space that you were not necessarily <laughs> familiar with but as you mentioned it's it's about uh how can you you know how can you innovate so that you're addressing some of the problems that exactly. you're seeing in our day-to-day -day lives and they don't necessarily have to be in our area of expertise but it's a willingness to at least learn um absolutely. i know sorry were you saying something <laughs> no i just i was just agreeing absolutely that's very much the case thank you yeah and and you know i know i know you have ex extensive experience in canada and in the u.s uh in in yeah. terms of you know working with companies and businesses uh in in various different sectors and industries uh but uh, you have a very huge focus on digital health and health tech um mm -hmm. you know so if i could tap into that expert experience of yours like you know how do you see the digital health innovations differ between the two countries, especially Canada and the US, even though we like to think we're similar, but I, I would love to hear it from you in terms of what your thoughts are on that. <laughs> well, the, the, the health systems are different. Yes. Um, though actually more similar than we realize between the systems, but the approach is a little different. In mm -hmm. terms of technology, the technologies are there. In fact, some of my biggest competitors in the United States were Canadian companies. Wow. So the innovation, the technology and the insights are there. It's more how do you address the respective healthcare systems mm. to get utilization of, of the various products. And I said, I don't think the secret of <laughs> our many, many times we're sort of saying the biggest frustration a lot of Canadian companies have is the difficulties of getting into sort of the silos of yes. the healthcare system up here. And at times it's easier in the United States more because it's a much broader, you know, 10 times the population. Yes. But their approach is where they have federal programs across the entire, for health across the system and there's state across and there's local and there's state. So mm -hmm. many layers you can access of, of areas of, of where you, the solutions can be a benefit. That's true. That's true. Thank you very much. So it, it's really always very intriguing for me to hear that the innovation kind of happens in Canada and gets yeah. implemented in the U.S., right? Absolutely. <laughs> There's a tremendous amount of innovation that occurs here. That's that's amazing. And it's mind blowing at the same time because <laughs> it's like something we don't give ourselves enough credit for, at least, you know, that's part um, of being Canadian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> being the humble self that we are. <laughs> exactly. Um, so with that in mind, uh, and you know, we, I, I, I agree with you, though, and I feel like we're slowly waking up to this whole digital health tech revolution here in Canada, especially during the pandemic, you know, we, we started this innovation. What are some trends that we can anticipate in this space, especially here in Canada, you know, over the next five years or so? Well, it's Canada and the U.S. I think it's everywhere in terms of um, the pandemic certainly accelerated the utilization of certain tools. Right. I think it's more, I think you need the realization for people to realize digital health, as always, pieces, they're not solutions, they're enablers, back mm -hmm. to the discussion about engagement. So it's how do you enable the patient, how we enable the clinicians and the providers and the nurses and the techs and the caregivers to give right. the better care or to get the better care that they're looking for. And I think what's going to happen is... There's no question we've seen the consolidations. We saw massive investments last year and then sort yes. of a lot of them tanking this year. So, but as a result, though, there are still a lot of very robust solutions. And I think what we're going to find is greater collaboration amongst the vendors and the solution sets to be able to provide a much more robust um, uh, enabling approach for, for, again, for the patients and the providers. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I, I like, you know, thank you for sharing those insights, because I know one of the biggest 
obstacles or challenges that we always talk about in the digital health tech space has been interoperability and the ability for, you know, apps on different systems to mm -hmm. kind of communicate and data share and whatever else that is. Um, I know it's it's a big it's a big question that nobody really has an answer, but I'll ask you a question anyways because I see you as an expert in this area. Uh, do you think Canada is able to potentially create an interoperable digital health tech network um, if we were to let's say start all having these collaborations and whatnot? Is There's that no possible? Oh, absolutely. There's no reason why not. So the technology is here. Mm. as it is elsewhere so the, te the tech exists and the knowledge exists and the right. you know the insights exist that's not an issue at all it really becomes more is it the willingness and a true willingness of the single payer that we each face yes um, and then the master payer being yeah. you know, the federal government to actually really find a way of sitting down to do that Absolutely. And I know like even on the provincial levels, every province has a different um, map in terms of how they wish to digitize their healthcare systems, right? So exactly. even in Ontario, like, you know, not too long ago, over a decade or so ago, we had a, a, a plan that was hopefully to be implemented and it got scraped entirely. And now we're taking a rejig at it again. So, uh, but I also feel like, you know, from a patient's perspective, an interoperable system would be the best solution for them um, in, in terms of making sure that they care the get the most comprehensive care by ensuring that all that data, all that information about that patient is in that, is easily accessible. Well, that's um, just, it's accessibility of that information. And the patient, exactly. you know, from a, as a patient, I don't really care what technology is there. I yes. just want to know, I can go on my app or on my screen and I get all my information. My x-rays are here, my bloods are here, the notes are there. That's true. And, and, and again, sometimes it's also like, you know, we do not necessarily, as patients, especially like we may not understand that this is why interoperability is important. Um, but it's when we're receiving the care, then that's when we kind of you understand that, oh, this is why it's important. And I feel like, you know, these kind of conversations will hopefully help shed that light as especially to healthcare providers, uh, mm -hmm. because as healthcare providers are mostly the ones who are listening to this podcast. Um, but I'm hoping that, you know, we'll start to think of these as we're innovating is, you know, how can we make sure that we are more connected, uh, more accessible yeah. to each other so that we are, we are creating a more comprehensive network for our patients. Absolutely. And that brings me to um, your LinkedIn profile has a very um, interesting tagline. And I'm, go I'm going to quote <laughs> your profile on this because you mentioned oh. humanizing digital health, digital transformation. Um, and, you know, what better field than healthcare to really for this to be very applicable, right? Because we 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 really are here to help support our patients, um, but at the same time, adopt this digital revolution that's kind of taking place in, in the background. What are some challenges you're, you, you see in digital health innovation and implementation um, that are currently present? And, you know, if there are any solutions that you could propose to them? Well, the... <laughs> Talk about challenges. How long is this podcast? Um, <laughs> we can keep it as long as you want it to be. <laughs> uh, I mean, you be careful with that. Uh, no, really, the, the, the fundamental part of it is the transformation to date, or how, and when we talk about digital transformation, it's really how do you just go involve digital solutions? Mm -hmm. Like it's not this big grand thing, but just how do you involve these grand solutions? The problem has been that for the most part, it's been under the IT group. And it's been bolted on and say, okay, we now have this digital front door, go to town. Right. And use it. Uh, you know, or as an example, or they've, you know, not that it, whether cast any aspersions one way or the other, or they're now an epic system. And here's my chart, go to it and spend the next two hours every day implementing information. Yes. But it's just bolted and, and come. And there is not any involvement of the patient or the provider, anyone in that system. 
And so you have an industry average of about 10% success when mm. it comes to digital implementation, digital transformations. Yes. Um, and actually just a publishing report tomorrow that I just did a poll about exactly that. And it's confirming everything else. You know, wow. McKinsey and CGI have come out with it and just my own informal, well, the semi-informal group that I'm publishing tomorrow talks about the same thing about that digital transformation, the difficulty of it. And fundamentally to me, it's it's not involving the stakeholders. Yes. And part of it is, is just because you, you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Mm -hmm. So as a provider, I'm sure you're, I don't know, you're being faced with now where you had some information on a patient. It's yes. now a fire hose of information. So the one piece of that puzzle that's missing for the providers is how do you discern the data that you need so you have actionable information? Yes. And, and even more so, what's the context of that data so it's actionable? Is this 10 minutes old? Is it a day old? Is it three months old? And in what conditions were they, you know, was it collected and compared to what? So we have data points, mm -hmm. but I think what's missing for be a value are all those contextual side and fundamentally don't have that when you don't involve the stakeholders from the outset in the design and for the collection and the usability of it all. Absolutely. Uh, and and you know, speaking of usability, I think it was just uh, in 2021, there was a report out by Howard, Harvard Business Review, and they were saying that EHRs have like the least, they were given a grade F because like they were the least usable of mm -hmm. all the different digital innovations that are out there, which kind of, you know, puts, makes us question like exactly what you mentioned is, you know, how are we designing these and how are we innovating exactly. in this sector to make sure that the stakeholders who will actually be the users users of these systems, um, their opinions and their perspectives are taken into account. Um, thank you very much for sharing that because um, as a healthcare provider and uh, somebody with an interest in the digital health tech space, um, you know, I always uh, make myself available, but it's always good to know that innovators like yourself are also working with healthcare providers um, as you're creating yeah. these innovations, right? Because um, uh, it, it's, it's a core, I believe a core necessity than it should be. Um, it, it should be a core necessity. With that said, question. I, <laughs> yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, so without question, it's, it, it's, again, the arrogance, it's not just healthcare, but across the board in terms of a lot of innovations or mm. businesses or products, it's, I'll build it and they will do it without yes. talking to, to the, to the users. Yes. So and I, you know, know what? I do a lot of, so I was saying, so what I do, I do a lot of, like, what I take from a film world yes. is what I've always done is a lot of focus groups. So mm -hmm. every step of the way, I involve the stakeholders and do literally focus groups. And I think and those drives, are very... Sorry. And, it drives my, <laughs> sorry, it's a, and drives my IT guys crazy. And they go, well, they're doing it wrong. And they go, no, 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 no. They're doing it how they're doing it. Yes. We're, pro we're setting it up improperly to address the fact this is how they're going to use it. Agreed. Agreed. And you know what? That is so true. And I'm glad you shared that because I also have been noticing, like, I think we're in this rat race of, you know, trying to be the first innovator or trying to take that, you know, the first place credit of I was the first one to do this. But mm -hmm. I also feel like that sometimes compromises the quality that you wish to Absolutely. offer right yeah. uh because you're not then doing like the focus groups focus groups can take time right especially if yeah. you're the way you're doing them like at every step of the way um yeah. i'm sure it takes you considerable amount of time to 
come up with that innovation. And no wonder you have seven patterns under your name is because you are researching this, this field before you're, you know, kind of saying here, we have something ready, like as a product. Um, Speaking of your patterns, and, um, you know, as a healthcare provider, it's always something we are very clueless about, because we're like, what do we do about this? Um, and, and, you know, I do see you as a reputed innovator, you have done some incredible work. What is an advice that you have for new innovators, um, you know, as they're building new technology and venture? I know you kind of mentioned about the focus groups. Any other advice you wish to have in terms of how can they create more quality, innovative products? Well, it does come back, you know, talk to the end user, mm. you know, fundamentally. And, 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 when it provi- and the end user is not the, just the patient. Mm-hmm. They said to me, you've got, as I said, you've got that continuum of care. So the end users, everybody, every touch point in utilization right. of that product to go from beginning to end. What is the objective? But but in terms of the innovation, an innovation ultimately is are you actually solving a problem? Right. So it's be clear what the problem is that you're trying to solve. And apart because as you're being an innovator, everyone around you can tell you you're crazy. <laughs> and actually, the more they tell you crazy, the probably the closer you are to being onto something. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> but that's that's kind of where it's at. But make sure you know, but, but be really clear as to what problem you're trying to solve. Yes, because that you know, builds up the veracity of what that solution is, that, that innovation is. Right. And okay. also, don't be and don't be afraid to look outside of the industry. Like the reality mm-hmm. is, eighty percent of innovation in any industry comes from outside the industry. Yes. So, you know, there's a lot of examples outside in terms of, you know, for inspiration to repurpose it. Obviously, you can't use specifics in terms of right. that, but it could be inspired by that. But as I said, it goes back to being what is clearly what is the problem being solved. Thank you very much, Howard. I think that uh, that was some great insight. And, and I think somebody who is trying to innovate or bring a new product to life, like I think they will definitely benefit from that advice. So thank you very much for sharing that. Um, and also just a question around, since we're speaking of patents very quickly, mm-hmm. what are some things that somebody should consider if they're, you know, deciding whether to pursue a patent or not, or is, is like, you know, any advice in that area for you that you may have? <laughs> a patent, I look at a patent as frankly, a marketing tool mm. because I went into it kind of, I was reluctantly going when I filed for my first patent is actually very reluctant to do that in part because it's, it's still an expensive process yes. to go through. And ultimately a patent is only as strong as you have the finances to defend it. Right. But That's when, true. so you, you need that consideration, but mm-hmm. in the middle, it's looking at to say it's a patent is valuable to sort of indicate, is there something unique in what you've developed mm-hmm. in your idea, in your, whether utility or business process and has great value as you're going forward, um, working with prospective clients, especially if you're a small business going, look, I have this, I've got a patent. So at least there's something unique about it. Yes. And in an indicative of being unique. Um, so it's, it has that kind of value. It does have value, frankly, when you're going for contracts Yes. and it talks about, do you have the intellectual property rights, you know, to do so. And if you're able to go, well, for this particular thing, I uniquely have this idea. Again, it's a valuable business product to have. Right. 
Right. And thank you again. Like, I think, um, you know, this whole world of patent is uh, something new as like for me as a healthcare provider, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, your insights are definitely very helpful. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, because I know um, I also wanted to take some time to also kind of acknowledge the work that you do at Hims Ontario chapter. Um, mm -hmm. I know this year you were, uh, you know, appointed the position of president at the Hims Ontario chapter. And I would love to tell us a little bit more about that, uh, because a lot of healthcare providers may not be very familiar with the work that's being done at Hims. Yeah, well, Hims is, is Hims again, as, as you, I know you're familiar with, is actually a global organization. There's actually yes. over 120,000 members. There's over 50 chapters. There's over 550 nonprofit healthcare system. You know, as members of it all, ostensibly, it's trying to help. Really, reflect, their their words are to reform healthcare. Mm. I see it as a chance to sort of, frankly, create a community right. um, of healthcare providers of healthcare vendors, really the entire ecosystem, and particularly in digital health, to really share best practices mm -hmm. and to share insights, to really help move the ball forward and also to educate, to sort of see where things are, where they're going. Because, you know, there's so many misconceptions as to what technologies exist, what can and cannot be do, what can happen, what, what the effects of certain technologies are, yes. um, and even where, you know, in terms of uh, legislation, and regulations, where do things stand as to what we can do as, as either, you know, myself as a vendor or was a vendor, but in terms of the providers, what they can do. So we mm -hmm. really work to do to try to create a community of across the sector uh, of different individuals that can actually help build everyone else in That's terms of their amazing. understanding and, and a place to go. They go, oh, okay, I've got some peers who get yes. me because that's a whole other ballgame. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And I know HIMS Ontario and HIMS, the global organization, they also hold those annual conferences as well. So something is a great way to network and meet. There's tremendous, peers. yeah, because there's tremendous resources for education and research. There's a phenomenal resource for connecting ah. with peers. Like I said, they had the global conference. Well, this year it's going to be, this is, this is, is going to be in April in mm -hmm. Chicago. We just had ours in, in Toronto yes. uh, last week. And um, the idea is to continue to build on that and build on that community. Absolutely. And as you, and as I, I think I'd like to think you saw at the conference last yes last week is just how the breadth of of the kinds of to your question of yes. the innovation that exists and the breadth of the discussion that exists yes. and how robust it is. And we're trying to build that out, and we're continuing trying to build and bring on more people to expand on that and the really the thought leadership and the content creation in that area. Absolutely. And I look forward to, you know, seeing how that organization is able to support um, the Ontario community and Canada and globally as well, because, uh, you know, under your leadership, I have no doubts that uh, we'll be seeing some great content coming out. And, you know, I encourage everyone to check out um, and reach out to Howard if you have any questions about around that as well, around the work that he does as well. Um, with that said, before I let you go from this podcast, I do always ask this question because uh, this is this is kind of what we started this podcast with. Um, but, you know, this, uh, just how do you envision the future of the digital health tech space over the next five to 10 years? And, and you know, how do you see healthcare providers roles potentially changing with that um, with that revolution of sorts? Well, it's, it's interesting. First of all, I think the, the real success is when you don't call it digital health, you just call it health. Ah. It's, just, it's just how we deal day to day. So that's the first change I think you'll see. Okay. To, and on the other side, in terms of your comment about how providers will change, 
how their I, practice may change. I don't, I don't think rallies, I don't think the practice will change mm. except to the extent you have better value, valuable data and more mm. actual data. Mm-hmm. Patients will have more information. They're not going to, they're still going to go to Dr. Google and everything else. You can't avoid that. But I think you'll have a better informed uh, patient group because they're going to have their devices, whether the watch or the phones or whatever the case may be. But so they'll be more informed. And as a result, I think the providers similarly become more informed because they'll both have that actionable data and information. I think interactions will become much, will be more, I think you definitely have a hybrid of the practice will be partial telehealth. Right. Whether it's on the phone or a screen or whatever. Yes. Um, and in person. But I think there'll be delineation where the in-person are those people you actually, for the most part, you really need to see in person. Got it. As opposed to those many piece things can be dealt with on a, a you know 10 minute interaction on this on the screen. And so I think you're going to get a cleaner delineation and a greater comfort of that. Awesome. The, the biggest barriers to that, um, particularly up in Canada, is the codes. Are yes. we going to give you the right codes to do that? And what logically needs to happen? Absolutely. So you have, you've got the balance. So to your question you opened up with, you have <laughs> the, the issue is going to be you've got the bit of a friction right now between the technology and the tools that, that enable healthcare and the speed of which uh, the pay system encourages yes. or discourages that. Yes, absolutely. And, and that's a comparison to the United States and Canada, where the United States, it's a bit broader as to what you're able to do and, and do the billings on versus what you can do in Canada. But again, mm. given your five to 10 year time horizon, I do think that's going to balance out and that's going to be, that's going to shake out and we're in a real, everyone's sort of recovering from the pandemic and what that entailed and the costs associated with it. Yes. Because the problem with healthcare costs, it's not a next month ROI. Mm-hmm. It's a long, it's a long-term ROI. And I think it's edu- back to the educating of those that are in the positions to on the paying side is understanding the long-term investment required Fair. And, the, and the value you get. And I agreed with you. Thank you very much for painting that future. Um, you have definitely, um, you know, got me intrigued by when you said <laughs> digital health will just be health. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> uh, but it, it's actually true because, um, you know, little do we realize it now, but we have already, into, we are already integrating how we communicate, even not just for health, but any other purpose. Else, you know, yeah. there, there's different modalities we're using and choosing. And, and, and again, it's just becoming part of the way we behave in our patterns, right? So Thank you yeah. very much for those insights. That is, wow. I'm like, I'm just in a shocked <laughs> phase right now because it's, it's a future. I'm like, wow, this is a very, I, I look forward to that future, to be honest. Because uh, yeah. as a healthcare provider, I would love to have that flexibility in terms of how I engage with my patients. Exactly. And and, and how my patients can engage with me, right? Instead of- that, that goes back to, again, that whole engagement side. Let's yes. the people who are involved choose that means because you get rid of that barrier. Yes. And exactly. then you get, you get, once you get rid of the communication barrier, you're now actually dealing with the business of health. Yes, absolutely. And before I let you go, uh, yeah. one advice you have uh, for emerging innovators, um, especially like, you know, healthcare providers who are looking to innovate in the digital health tech space, we'll call it digital health tech now, just to make sure we <laughs> kind of keep a focus on what we we're talking about. But one advice you may have for them. Well, really, I think we touched on it during the discussion. I said, you know, 
please let your minds go because again a goofy guy like i can sort of come up with these ideas and, and you know and it's been my honor to accept it's actually helped a lot of individuals yes. um you want to make sure you know so let you know let your imaginations go because you're closer to the ground than you know, even people like myself were mm -hmm. as to what the needs are but be clear what the need is mm. and you know in terms of what it goes back to what's that problem you're solving Right. or the concern that you have or what you want to address. And it doesn't have to be a big innovation. It could be a very small change in something that if you change your workflow, that instead of taking uh, 20 minutes to do it's five minutes, mm -hmm. that's massive, as you know, in terms of yes. time. So the innovations don't have to be big, crazy, you know, lights flashing everywhere. It can be very small little piece of innovations, but it's still got to come back to what is the problem that's being solved. And then the other side of the coin, unfortunately, because of the business side, Mm. is you're solving a problem but is there an ROI? is there a return on investment on that problem what is the money return is it savings in time is right. it savings in dollars that's resulting if it's just save you know in innovation that's cool <clears throat> that's great but it's gonna be sadly you won't be able to necessarily build a business around that right so don't so so I, and i'm just saying that is just that heads up because you asked for me for it yeah. is just a heads up that there is that side to it because just having the innovation for the sake of innovation that's good and valuable, unfortunately, is not enough that will drive if you want to do this as a business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Howard. I, you have shared some really good food for thought for all of us today. And, and I'm so, so grateful. Once again, thank you very much for you know making the time to be here and sharing such incredible insights. But I would also encourage our listeners to make sure to follow Howard on LinkedIn and Twitter. We'll be posting his uh, profile details in the description box along with the, uh, with the promotions and make sure to reach out to him if you have any, um, like, you know, if there is um, any work that he may be doing, um, we'll also be looking out for the report. Howard, if it's available to the public uh, tomorrow, <laughs> we'll we'll follow means, you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll follow you, and uh, we'll we'll keep an eye out in terms of uh, you know when it becomes available. Would love to read your insights on digital health tech space as well. Um, so thank you very much once again for making the time and being here with us. Really appreciated. Well, thank you so very much. I really enjoyed the discussion. Absolutely. All right. So with that, we will be taking signing off for today, but please feel free to follow Howard. Um, we'll be putting his links below. Um, follow Hims Ontario. We'll be putting that link in below as well. And if there is any questions, put them in the comment boxes. We'll love to answer them to the best of our abilities. Um, until next time, signing off. Bye-bye.